Welcome, everybody, to Crystal Kyle and Friends. Today, we'll be talking to one of my favorite YouTubers, RM Brown. Looking forward to that. I'm going to talk about the election and basically whatever the hell we want to talk about. So <laughs> that should fun. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, but before we do, there's a couple things to dive into. So uh, this popped up on my Twitter feed the other day. Apparently, the big man himself, Donald Trump, is beefing with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which seems like a long time coming. But really, to this point, it's been like playing patty cakes with each other and tickling each other's taints. <laughs> right? Haven't they been sort of like... Well, and I would say there have been two phases. There was initially the... When RFK was running as a Democrat, all the Republicans, including Trump, loved him because he was like, you know, hitting Joe Biden. They found that very useful. And the minute he switched to independent... Trump didn't really say much, but his, you know, his apparatchiks did. Hannity, John Hannity started going in. Yeah. Every time RFK Jr., because he would go on Fox all the time in the, oh, this is useful for us phase. But then once they flipped the switch and he would go on Fox News, they would be like, you supported Hillary Clinton and you did this. You care about the environment and you're terrible for all these reasons and hit him with all of his like, quote unquote, liberal positions from the past. And now Trump is apparently picking up that mantle. There's a ruthless pragmatism to how the right wing ecosystem functions. You know, they're like open about it. There was some, yeah. I don't remember, some like, yeah, um, somebody did say Twitter like online yep. right wing influencer who was like, yeah, I built this guy up when uh, he was hitting Biden. But now it's going to be totally different because they fear that RFK will take more <laughs> votes from Trump. So now they're like, it's open season on him. Yeah. So we're so really interesting dynamic. So anyway, Trump comes out on Truth Social and he says the following talking about RFK. He is by far the most radical left person running for office, maybe ever. Look at his environmental program and close up the USA. What does that even mean, that last part? <laughs> oh, close, close up, up, close up. <laughs> Look at his environmental program and close up the USA. Uh, and this is his attempt. He's sharing like a Breitbart article. This is actually similar to what Hannity did. Mm -hmm. Hannity went, had like a whole list of things that RFK supported that were like nominally left-wing in nature, yeah. right? Like he's against fracking. He supported Hillary Clinton. They view, you know, all the, to them, they're like, oh, you know, you're the worst person in the world if, if you take these right, positions. Right. And so he attacks him by calling him radical left, which by the way, hilarious <laughs> rfk radical left yeah he's radical confused that's what <laughs> rfk is i mean i've never seen a guy who's more like all over the place than rfk true very true so, but most of the positions that he's chosen to highlight during his presidential campaign are either right wing or code right wing correct i mean the, the big thing now he's doing the uh we got to shut down the border and uh you know i i agree with texas trying to overrule the federal government and put razor wire and razor buoys there to, like, kill migrants. I mean, when I talked <clears> to him, the very, I think the first interview that I did with him, he was in there advocating, like, we need to close our border the way that Israel does, the way that Israel deals with their border. Don't and get that, me started on him and Israel. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... of course, previewed a lot of uh, other terrible Israel commentary to come, but that almost, like, passed without a blip, but it was a pretty extreme statement in and of itself. Yeah, this man uh, deep throats Rabbi Shmuley on a daily basis, which says quite a bit about... <laughs> his politics um so rfk sees this from trump and he responds he puts this on his twitter account radical oh i'm sorry i don't know why i'm doing the trump voice for rfk <laughs> do you have an rfk voice 
Radical is shutting down the country with no due process, pushing Operation Warp Speed on an experimental pharmaceutical product, and giving Dr. Fauci, who now admits social distancing wasn't based on science, a presidential commendation. I look forward to debating our records in San Marcos on September 16th. I don't know what he's talking about with that last part. Trump ain't going to debate fucking RFK. No. What's he talking about? I don't even know if any debates are going to happen. He says it like it's like already locked in and on the record or something. Like, yeah, September 16th. That's so weird. Yeah. I don't know why I would do that. Well, it's also telling, I mean, he he's hitting Trump from the right here. You know, he's going after him over Fauci. And um, it makes sense because uh, this is the subject of RFK's most recent book. So he has said that he thinks he pulls more support from Trump. Um, his donor base is more Trump donors than it is Democratic or Biden donors. But the polls have honestly been kind of mixed. They've shown him taking, you know, some of the polls show him taking a little more from Trump. Some of them show him taking a little more from Biden. Some of them it's like really totally split. So I still think it's hard to say. And then there's the other layer of like, he's only on one ballot right yeah, now. Yeah, how many is he actually going to get on? Right. It looks like it's a total shit show. And, you know, to a large extent, like, you know, he's got a real operation. He's got lots of money that he's been able to raise, et cetera. But they've just, they have gamed the system so it is kind of impossible for any independent candidate to get on some of the ballots california is one of the most challenging ones but all of the states are very difficult so he's explored like maybe i'll start my own party and that helps in some states to get on the ballot and then he's also floated like maybe i'll run as a libertarian and make use of their ballot access which there was some libertarians who reacted very negatively to that because they felt like, oh, especially on Israel and Palestine, like your views are not our views. You are not really a libertarian. You can't just come in and like hijack our party apparatus to your ends. But I think it's a real open question because of those ballot access issues, how much of an impact he's even able to have on this election. I think that's definitely true. It's yet to be seen how many ballots he's going to get on. And my guess is it's actually going to be really, really difficult and he won't be on anywhere nearly enough ballots. But the thing about this that annoys me is it's such it's like this the wave riding reaction with what he thinks is going to be popular online because it was really popular online. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like all, Oh, Dr. Fauci and the death shot and all this stuff that like, there's a bunch of clapping seal idiots online that love it. And that's why he's attacking from this angle. And in my opinion, it's one of the least substantive ways to attack Trump because I'm happy he did Operation Warp Speed, as any reasonable person in the country would be. And by the way, the polls show people are gen- generally happy that we got those COVID vaccines and got them out relatively fast and they saved a gigantic number of lives. So it's like, yeah, in your little niche online subculture, you're hitting him that's, oh, epic own, bro. But here in real worldville, people are looking at you like, what now? Yeah. You're mad at, at, at Trump for rushing through a vaccine in the midst of a pandemic where we needed a vaccine. It just like of all the things you can hit Trump on. It's just so oh, it's just so right wing coded online wave riding. It's just it's just it's so stupid. I hate it so much. Well, and I think we just had a lesson, uh, yet another lesson in the Republican primary of how limited that like online wave writing direction is in terms of actual support at the Yeah, polls. how did DeSantis go? How did DeSantis right. do? How mm-hmm. did Vivek Ramaswamy do? Yeah. Right? I mean, you could say, like, the fact that he was such an online candidate, it did allow Vivek to become a name, to become, you know, to outlast a lot of the other Republican contenders. But you also see there is a very low ceiling on where that's going to get you. Now, RFK has something else going for him, which his name is RFK Jr. And so I think some of the support that's shown up for him in the polls, if not all, not all, but the vast majority of his support is just from people who are like, don't like Biden, don't like Trump. It's a Kennedy. That feels good to me. Let's go for it. And don't have a lot of um, 
real like haven't really dug into who he is, what he believes, whether you agree with him or not. And uh, we're actually doing a focus group for breaking points of RFK Jr. supporters. And so I'm actually really curious what is sort of the breakdown on how many of these people are like really into his anti-vax views or really into whatever he said about censorship, which he's flip-flopped on now with regard to Israel. But anyway, like how many of them are very familiar with the actual specifics of his policies versus how many of them are like, don't like these other two guys. Here's a different option. The name is Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy. I'm just going to go for it. He's got one other thing going for him now as well that nobody else has going for them. What's that? He's liking thirst traps online of giant asses. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a populist move. Did you see that? Move. I did yeah, see did, that. you saw that? That's a populist move right there. So do you think that was an intern or do you think that was actually him? It was, it was probably him. You think I, it was him? Yeah, I think it's... How are you cruising Instagram as a horny, however the fuck old he is, 60-something, is he? <laughs> You're perusing Instagram? Looking for like 19-year-old chicks showing their ass? Yeah. uh, I mean, I think the most likely theory is that he thought he was on some other burner account. But go act like a respectable old man and go grab a a Hustler magazine from 1997 (laughs) or a Playboy magazine. He's he's the online candidate. We're just discussing this. He's the online candidate. All respectable old men jack off to magazines. Like that's, (laughs) let's be serious here. If you're some goofy ass old, I'm sorry. It's just crazy. This is just crazy to me. (laughs) He, I don't know. He annoys me. He irks me in, in multiple different ways. And the fact that he's put me in a position here where I feel like I'm rooting for Trump in the back and forth. It says quite a bit. Yeah. But to be fair, the way in which Trump attacks him, I think is also really stupid. I think the Fauci, the shot thing is so played out and so dumb. And like you missed your peak on that a long time ago. That's point number one. Point number two is, but Trump saying to him like, so far left, bro. Oh, you're so far left. It's like, it that's is. not even true. Right. And if it was true, that would make him super based. Right. Like, it, it, yeah. they, oh, I wow. You want true. people to have health care. Exactly. Like, oh, you want health care and higher wages. What a radical. No, you know, that is like, I think the free market will work out. Yeah. Healthcare. that's what, How can you call the them free far market left? It'll work out environmentalism and climate change. It's like what? every interview he gives a sloppy blowjob to capitalism. Yeah. And you look at a oh, far left, far left. Like, what are you talking about? Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, I think the most important point is just how nakedly transactional, like how naked their positioning on this really is. Because Trump was saying lots of nice things about RFK. Yes. A lot of really on. nice things. Yeah. Yeah. And then the minute that he thought, oh, this person could be a threat to me. Let me make sure I code them as left wing. Let me try. What to, an like, extremist. Make He's so sure radical. No one in my camp is tempted by him whatsoever. Then the the script is completely flipped. There were those reports that somebody in the Trump team, which RFK claimed that somebody in the Trump team had approached him about potentially being a uh, Trump VP. I don't buy that whatsoever. I, you know what? I, I semi buy it in this respect. I think there are people in Trump's inner circle who are far too online. Yeah. Who, who like the idea, mm-hmm. who reached out to people I who are in the orbit of RFK. And he got some whispers that got through to him about it. Yeah. But in terms of seriously considering like it, no. a real idea. And to be fair to RFK, happen. he has been very clear for a very long time. I would not consider that in any way, shape, or form. The latest, last time he was asked, he said he wasn't interested in it. I don't know. I, I read into it. There was a little bit of political wiggle room that he left himself there. He was like, oh, I'm very honored to be considered, but I'm not, you know, I'm not interested. But it wasn't like a hard no. You know how they'll leave themselves like a little bit of wiggle room? It it wasn't like a hard no, absolutely not. I can't stand this man. There's no way I would work for him. But as I said, uh, Trump is going to have someone on the ticket who he thinks will be 100% loyal to him no matter what. And who he wants to have sex with. 
potentially Elsa. No, 100%. Who, who's loyal and who he wants to have sex with. So that's how we're Look at Alina Habba. He picked Alina Habba for his fucking yeah, attorney, and that did that worked out horribly. Um, so, <clears throat> so you're still in the Christy Noam? I think it's going to be yeah. Christy Noam. I think there's an outside chance of Elise Stefanik. Yeah. But I think it's going to be Christy Noam. And now I've added one more to the mix. Who's that? Donald Trump Jr. Because mm. if Trump is convinced. I mean, that's the loyalty thing. Well, yeah, if he's convinced that. No, I'm going to go down on one of these 91 criminal charges. And now there's a, you know, he's being found liable on every single civil trial. So he's losing every civil trial. Right. So probably, I'm probably going to lose the criminal ones, too. And if he thinks that to save his own ass and definitely get pardoned, he'd pick his son as his VP. And if he gets taken off the field, his son hopefully wins in his mind and then pardons daddy. Right. Like, and that's, you know, you could that's for sure. That's loyalty piece. Like, it's he, huge. It's definitely going to be someone that he feels is going to be loyal to the yeah. end come no matter what insanity unfolds can i say final thing on these two yeah. is i think what annoys me the most about both of them is that they both posture as being like anti-establishment and mm -hmm. anti-elitist mm -hmm. and it's like n nobody in the world has the more pro-establishment and pro-elitist position than you guys on israel like the number one issue right now in terms of how important it is on the global scene yeah. Like you both have an identical position on Israel and it's like rah, rah, genocide, rah, rah, ethnic cleansing. Oh, aren't I so anti-establishment? Don't look anti-establishment to me. Well, it's not only that. I mean, on their economic policy, you know, the Trump tax cuts, but also as we were just discussing, RFK is all like, let the free market do its thing and it's amazing and it doesn't need any yeah. regulation. And he hit him on Fauci and not on, remember when you cut taxes for the rich and 83% of the benefits went to right. the top 1% and you incentivize corporations to do outsourcing? Right. Nothing on that. Right. Nothing. Because he probably agrees with him on the tax cuts because he's a freak. Yep. And he likes giant asses on Insta, mm -hmm. which is acceptable, but dude, you're a thousand years old. Relatable. Just don't do that. You're How old are you? Like, come on, man. Hustler Magazine, 1997. Look into it. You don't support him on that front, babe, to be honest. I, as I, all old dudes have to jack off to magazines. <laughs> I don't want to. Like, what are you going to do? Go on Google, uh, big boobies. Like, is that what you're going to do? Google big boobies? You're 67, bro. Get it together. He's What's wrong with you? He's an online candidate. He's down with the youths or whatever. Anyway, all right, take us to our next story. Okay, so there was a big hearing uh, this week on Capitol Hill, a bunch of senators who, you know, brought in a bunch of tech executives. There was plenty of humiliation to go all the way around. Mark Zuckerberg was forced to, like, stand up and apologize to the people in the room. The TLDR. What? He was forced to oh, apologize? No. Yeah, so Josh Hawley was like, will you stand up and apologize to these people in the gallery who have been hurt by, like, it was focused on kids and social media. And so Mark Zuckerberg like got up and was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry for what you." Sorry heard. about what? The, uh, the I, I don't know actually. To be honest with you, I think it was these were parents of kids who had been like bullied or exposed to something traumatic and were or scammed online and ended up either traumatized or some even killing themselves. So that's who he was apologizing to. It's so reductive to say that is just mark zuckerberg's fault well it's also it's so reductive it's just so theatrical too of course because it's like you're united states senators you set the landscape of what the whole social media ecosystem looks like so pretend like you're not complicit in what this you know what this structure is is preposterous like making mark zuckerberg apologize to these people accomplishes nothing look i'm down for like big tech humiliation as much as the next person but the the big picture of this meeting was that they were pushing for more censorship. I mean, that's basically all their solutions sort of cut in that same direction. Wow. So another moment that really went viral and uh, did not cast a lot of glory on the uh, participant here was Senator Tom Cotton. 
as part of this generalized freakout about TikTok and China. And oh my God, TikTok. Lindsey Graham said TikTok was destroying the Jewish state also in these hearings. Um, so that was a, a fun moment as well. But here you have Senator Cotton attempting to grill the CEO of TikTok with somewhat hilarious results. Let's take a listen. Of what nation are you a citizen? Singapore. Are you a citizen of any other nation? No, Senator. Have you ever applied for Chinese citizenship? Senator, I served my nation in Singapore. No, I did not. Do you have a Singaporean passport? Yes, and I served my military for two two and a half years in Singapore. Do you have any other other passports from any other nations? No, Senator. Your wife is an American citizen. Your children are American citizens. That's correct. Have you ever applied for American citizenship? No, not yet. Okay. Have you ever been a member of the Chinese Communist Party? Senator, I'm Singaporean. No. Have you ever been associated or affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party? No, Senator. Again, I'm Singaporean. Let me ask you some hopefully simple questions. You said earlier, in response to your question, that what happened at Tiananmen Square in June of 1989 was a massive protest. Did anything else happen in Tiananmen Square? Yes, I think it's well documented. There was a massacre. There was a massacre. So he thought that was a real gotcha, like, oh, you're Chinese handlers aren't going to let you answer this question about Tiananmen Square. And he's like, it was a massacre. And by the way, I'm not Chinese. I'm from Singapore, which is a totally different country, in case you didn't know. Does he not know that those are different countries? Is he unaware of that? He has. I mean, this is, I think Senator Khan went to, like, Harvard. Of course he's That doesn't mean Dickie McGee's but he's, he's counting on people just seeing, like, a dude who looks generally Asian and being like, oh, must be Chinese, must be one of those Chinamen out to get us. I mean, the whole TikTok thing, it started as a panic over, it, like, anti-China hysteria. Now it has also morphed into a, like, anti-Semitism hysteria. And, you know, there's all these scary scenarios they lay out about like, oh, the Chinese government is going to get access to your data, et cetera, et cetera. Ignoring the fact that TikTok does have a separate American corporate structure, a CEO who is not Chinese, as he says, he is Singaporean. Um, And also ignoring the fact that much of the data and privacy concerns of TikTok, like these are concerns across all of social media. The data that everyone is so afraid of the Chinese government getting their hands on is already available on the open market for purchase. Not saying that's a good thing, but that's a reality we're in. So no one's ever been really able to connect the fear mongering about TikTok to an actual real world result or even potential result. Yeah, it's just xenophobia. That's all it is. It's just xenophobia and red scare, like, oh, they're communist type stuff. I think it's sad. I think it's also, I think there's an element of like, I don't understand TikTok. The kids are on TikTok. It must be something nefarious. And they're being pro-Hamas over on TikTok. Right. And yeah. there's an mm-hmm. element of control of like, yeah, the, oh, they're able to see these videos that, you know, the corporate media doesn't show and they're forming their own opinions and they're different from older generations' opinions. We can't have that. So I think there's an element of like kids these days, um, as well when it comes to TikTok. But that was embarrassingly stupid from Tom Cotton. I think this is a guy who um, he very famously uh, was defending the torture at Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib later than anybody and said we should continue doing that. This is a guy who's never met a war he didn't like. I mean, he's literally in favor of every single even potential war. And he just came out the other day and said bomb Iran, 
yeah. over what's been going on in the Middle East with the Shia he militias. Deeply authoritarian instincts. It's I, unbelievable. I he's the guy. That, remember that around, but of all the U.S. senators, if you put them on the scale of authoritarianism, oh, he's, he's as extreme as authoritarian. Remember when he wrote the New York Times op-ed? <laughs> yeah. Where he was the, like, just declare martial law, just mm-hmm. send in the military. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Just do that. That's right. And then the George Floyd. Then there was protests. a backlash to that. I think the New York Times got scared and pulled it. Right. And he had the nerve to be like, "Look at these authoritarians pulling my." Your op-ed was like, isn't authoritarianism wonderful? Right. <laughs> the whole point of your op-ed. <laughs> is authoritarianism. And then you get a taste of your med- own medicine. Right. Oh, authoritarians. <laughs> I hate, th- I think this guy's a fucking moron. I, re- I think he's one of the dumbest. And also he's got a fucking chicken neck. See, I don't. Very I, strange looking man. I, I read him differently. I don't think he's stupid. Oh, I, I think do. he's playing to a base that he has contempt for. And, um, you know, and yeah, is, is like scary and authoritarian. I don't take him for being stupid. Well, he needs to fix his neck. <laughs> he needs to fix his neck. Uh, he needs to stop being the least charismatic. He makes Wolf Blitzer look charismatic. I swear to God. Uh, do you happen to be from China? Are you a communist Chinese? Like, what are we doing here? I, what I hate did he think that? I I just want to know how he thought that was gonna go. You know what I mean? Like in his head when he was playing the sound. I mean, honestly, the the like political realities are so separated now that that actually might still be pushed out there on right-wing Twitter as an own of that guy. Mm. Like, that's how disconnected we are now, where even something that is embarrassing to him, a different group of people are going to look at it and be like, oh, he owned that guy. He really held his feet to the fire and asked him multiple times. See, yeah, I feel like it does the opposite of the the point he wants to make is there's like, oh, there's this Chinese government connection still to TikTok, even though they theoretically have this separate corporate structure. But he sort of allowed this guy to, you know, make it, make the alternative point of like, no, I'm literally from Singapore. I have nothing to do with China. So I didn't think it was a great moment for him. Well, I didn't respect. either. But then again, I had some semblance of logic. <laughs> There's a lot of people watching that who don't. So <laughs> could anyway. Be. Could be. All right, let's go ahead and get to our guest, guys. Uh, very happy to bring in one of my favorite YouTubers. Got a lot to talk about. Here's RM Brown. Welcome to RM Brown. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Big fan. Obviously, <laughs> big fan. Mutual. Big, big fan of you as well. Uh, all right. So let's start with some uh, basic Democratic primary stuff. So, um, you know, Marianne made a, a run at it and came up short in New Hampshire. You have Dean Phillips jumped in kind of late and decided I'm going to try to take on Biden. And uh, that also came up short, even though I think I think both Marianne and Dean are staying in, which is a little surprising, if you yeah. ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenk <laughs> tried to do it and he hit up like 48 different court cases and wasn't even on the ballot in New Hampshire. But he says he's still st- staying in, I guess. I don't know if it's to continue with the court cases or whatever. But I mean, look, the foregone conclusion is Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. So let me ask you your thoughts on that. Like, did, did you think that it was it would have been impossible for anybody to sort of take him down? Did you think it was going to be like, well, of course he's going to, because he's the incumbent. Of course he's going to be, or did you look at the, you know, his state where he's sort of slipping up cognitively and all that stuff and say, I mean, there is a lane there, right? Somebody could actually replace him. Uh, so what do you make of the state of the democratic race and the fact that it looks like he's basically inevitable? Yeah, that's pretty much what I, we're on the same page here. I, I was like, well, that, that's, it's going to be him. That's it, you know. I am kind of interested in the Chang thing, though. Did he ever even float a um, vice presidential, uh, a vice president? <laughs> I kind of want to hear that. Who would be vice in that situation? Who do you me. think? He's actually picking me. That would be the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. He's actually on the ballot in like four states. I, I didn't know that until this morning. 
Really? Yeah. Was able to get on in a few places? Yeah, I think I actually think Texas was one of those states. Um, mm. And then there's three others, but he says he's staying in because he wants, uh, I don't know, he's got some jank theory about how he wants to be the anti-Trump czar where he like attacks Trump the most and I guess try to get some sort of conclusion on his court case. But even that, it looks like they're going to punt on. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I actually think that there is an alternate universe where someone who is credentialed enough, like a Gavin Newsom or whatever. If he ran, you think he would have won? I think actually think there's a possibility that if he ran someone who was credentialed enough and had already been built up by the media enough that they couldn't just completely ignore. And also, I mean, he's governor of a giant state like that's a big deal in and of itself. And he has access to the media, has lots of money, lots of donors, et cetera, et cetera. I actually think there was a chance that if one of those people had jumped on a line and actually challenged Biden, that they could have succeeded. And the reason is and, and I think the Biden people felt that too, because they made an aggressive effort to make sure all of those people were in line and get all of them behind them, especially in the wake of the midterm results that were like better for Democrats than expected. That's when they really like circled the wagons and forced everybody to stay on board. Um, Because, I mean, Dean Phillips, no one knew who this guy was, right? No one had heard of him before. He jumps in the race a few weeks before voting. And what do you get, like 28% or something? You got 20%. But also Biden won without even being on the ballot. He won a write-in campaign with over 50%, which is way better than he did the last time around. My takeaway was the opposite. They're like, if this guy's getting over 50% with just a write-in campaign, maybe it is true that just like there's a majority of the Democratic base that's like, yeah, we're going with this guy. I don't know. I All the polling seemed to indicate that people were... Because Biden's case was always... I'm the guy who can beat Trump, right? I'm the guy who could beat Trump. That's how he won in 2020. I'm the guy that could beat Trump. I don't know. No one thinks that anymore. Like his electability prospects are severely diminished. So I do think, listen, we'll never know. But I do think there's an alternate universe where Gavin Newsom, will use as the example, gets into the race and voters are aware they actually have a, a real choice. And I, I'm not in love with Gavin Newsom or whatever. What but about I would take A-list celebrity? At this point. What about like The Rock? That, I Something think that, like that would work too. <laughs> actually, that would actually work better. I think that let's would actually work Let's all write him in. Let's, let's all write The Rock in. Come on, let's get him in there. <laughs> there you go. Still, there's, it's not too late. Yeah, but uh, there was an opening because you, you can't have a majority of Democratic voters being like, I wish we had other options and I really don't want Joe Biden to, w- to run again. And not there not be a lane for someone who's the right mold and the media can't just completely ignore. Because that's what happened is these other candidates, they were just completely suffocated. No one even knew they were running. But then why wouldn't they suffocate a Gavin Newsom campaign or Dwayne The Rock Johnson campaign, too? Because you know what, what I'm, I'm saying? saying is it has to be someone who's big enough that they just can't get away with completely ignoring them. I see. I mean, I see what you're saying. I think there's a logic to what you're saying. I was just a little blown away by the extent of the victory of a write-in campaign in a state where he put his middle finger up to every voter and said, fuck you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that actually sort of blew me away a little bit that maybe I was wrong and I misread the room and the 2020 effect is still there in the sense that people really do look at Biden and go, that's the guy to beat Trump, even if he's like barely, barely conscious anymore. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's too bad. Didn't Mary, um, Marianne's kind of been blacklisted a little bit, right? Like they oh, yeah. kind of tried to suffocate her a little bit, but she got big on TikTok for a while. You guys remember that? Yeah. She was mm-hmm. kind of a, yeah, it's too bad because she is like, she's interesting. She's really likable. Yeah. That, that one's, that one's kind of too bad for me. I was, I was, yeah, I was sad to see, you know, her kind of be, be shoved out, you know? So are you excited for uh, Trump versus Biden? 
<laughs> oh yeah, amazing. I'm gonna redo <laughs> that one. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind. Of, maybe that's the inter like interesting part in how uninteresting it is. And I don't know. I guess like the only hopeful thing about it is that people will start to, um, I don't know, maybe move their politics to uh, to something more more local and more uh, you know actual actually active, you know, and get involved personally. You know, I mean that to me that's the the only hopeful angle. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know if I see any hope with the current state of affairs. <laughs> so I, I mean, let me let me ask you about the Republican side, because that actually is kind of interesting to me, too, in a similar way to how the Democratic side is interesting to me. So I very famously thought early on with DeSantis, especially after the midterms, I was like, oh, this guy actually has a real chance because he, you know, all the headlines saying he's the future and in a <laughs> election year that was supposed to be a red wave. It wasn't a red wave. <laughs> except in Florida. Sold him. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That wasn't the thing that sold me. It was more a reflection of what I was thinking based on looking at the midterm results, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So um, I saw that and I thought, yeah, this, like, this is the upgraded version of Trump. He's Trump 2.0. It's like you drop all the drama and the pettiness and the nonsense and you just have a guy left who's exactly like Trump on policy, still yells at the media and calls them fake news and gives the Republicans everything that they want. And then that just didn't work. And, you know, the longer you kept the camera on DeSantis, the more people thought, like, his lack of charisma is actually, like, the main problem here. And maybe they like Trump for the drama and the pettiness and all of that stuff that DeSantis necessarily doesn't have, right? So I looked at that. And then when you look at the results coming out of uh, Iowa and New Hampshire, yeah, it looks like, you know, Nikki Haley did okay in New Hampshire, but she got, like, to 10 points within Trump. But, like, that's... If you can't win New Hampshire as a state that allows unaffiliated voters to come in and vote in the Republican primary and, you know, the demographics of the state are not hardcore white evangelical Christians. So if you can't win that state... You probably can't win any state against him. So it looks like he's going to cruise to to the nomination. What do, what the what do you make of that? Like cuz my analysis now of the Republican base is very doomer-pilled. It's like there's like no no there there. It's not about anything other than he's the showman, he's the charisma guy, he triggers the people that I hate. So now I love him. Do you agree with that analysis or is there something else going on? No, I think that's it. I think you got it. And it's also it's weird too because I was kind of like I don't know. He got a ton of press Vivek. You know, I was I was, you know, doing videos about him and paying attention to him. And he just got nothing. Right. Which is yeah, weird because, because, yeah, he got nothing. And he was he was doing the whole kind of uh, he was trying to out Trump Trump kind of stuff. He was doing a lot of like the kind of stuff you hear on the Internet, you know, the stuff yep. you kind of hear on Reddit and sort of like you know, YouTube and stuff. And he just got nothing. It's yeah, that that's a weird one. I mean, but he's also, it's sort of like the thing you were saying with DeSantis, like they're both just like uniquely unlikable, like their vibe, <laughs> their vibe is just off. And I think it is a vibe thing. I think they, they see something just genuine about Trump. And I guess when, when he comes out and he does, does his speeches, you know, he does a lot of improv and stuff. And I guess that's it. I don't know. They just like that that vibe. Would that work on the Democratic side? Like, I agree with you that that kind of is the dynamic on the Republican side, that he's just such a good showman. And like, if you watch yeah. his rallies, he's going to say some shit that you're going to be like, oh, did he say that? Like when he did the <laughs> Hitler paraphrasing, where he was like poisoning the blood of our nation. It's like, oh, he did that on purpose so that there would be a backlash and then everybody would talk about it. And then Paul shows some disgusting numbers about how a majority of Republican voters were like, like right on. We agree yeah, with that. Love that Nazi rhetoric. But like, could that sort of showmanship, like empty showmanship mixed with extreme 
extreme charisma. Like, I don't know if that's something that works on the Democratic side, because when I look at the Democratic side, I see what the Republicans used to be, which was like, whose turn is it now? Who's a serious person to lead us forward? Like that. I mean, the closest you could say is to that model of just like charisma and showmanship would be like a Barack Obama supplanting. It's a the, totally different kind. It is. Yeah. But that's the type that would appeal to like the liberal NPR. That's like, you know, NPR voter charisma is what Barack Obama represents, you know? Yes, yes. Heavy NPR vibe. I don't know. I was watching that. I don't know if you guys saw any of this, but that hearing about the um, the social media bill that they're trying to pass for kids. Yeah, I don't know if, we were just talking about it, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if you guys noticed. I mean, it's really long. It's like it goes hours and hours, you know. But there is a way more showy, like showmanship vibe on the Republican side. It does seem like some of them are even trying to do like stand up. You know, there's the guy from uh, Louisiana who like the oh, epic what, bacon. Kennedy? What's his? Yeah, is Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Kennedy. He's the epic bacon senator from Louisiana. <laughs> he's oh, he's always got these like jokes that seems like he was in his office preparing the whole morning, you know, like there. Yeah, there's way. It does seem it's like maybe on the Democratic side, they want somebody who seems like hyper educated and hyper competent and technocratic seeming. And that's maybe their version of of show. But on on the other side, it's just all. Yeah, I think it's it's they they want to be like actors and showmen and stuff. It's it's wild. At least that's what I saw in that hearing. It's yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It's it's it seems pretty like out there, you know. Trump said something interesting that stuck with me when he won. Uh, it was either Iowa or New Hampshire. I think it was Iowa. He came out there and he had um, he had Doug Burgum with him, <laughs> who you got you famously interviewed. You were the only uh, news show that actually. <laughs> Acknowledge the fact that he was running for president. Who, and you had him who, on is, who is that? <laughs> Doug Burgum, governor Never of, heard of North Dakota, is it? Yes. And and so Trump was up North there Dakota. and Doug Burgum had endorsed Trump and sort of fell in line and kissed the ring. And Trump's giving his speech and he's like, you know, this guy over here, this guy, really handsome guy, really strong brow, <laughs> really incredible guy. I mean, he's done a lot of amazing things. But what he didn't understand is that sometimes you need a little controversy yeah. in order to make you need a little bit of controversy. Sometimes, <laughs> governor, it's a good thing to do a little controversy. <laughs> and I was watching. I was like, oh, my God, he really does get it. So I remember having this debate with Corin back in the day. And this was early on, like a year or two into Trump's time in office. Mm. And Corin was like, he doesn't actually mean the shit he says. He's just trying to get a rise so that like he can be in the news and everything. And there's all this movement and talk around him. And I was of the perspective like, no, he believes the shit he's saying. Right. He believes it. But I, I think I'm wrong. Like, I think that ba- after watching that, that's what I see. And that that's what Republican politics has become. Right. It's become this like. You look at me. I'm saying the wild thing that like is polite society is going to disagree. And then the fact that polite society disagrees, that makes a bunch of clapping seal idiots be like, now we love you even more. Here, take my money. Yeah, it's spectacle. It's like entertainment. It seems more like entertainment. I don't know. It would be nice to live, you know, in a, in a situation where politics is more boring, maybe where it's just like, oh, these people work. Our life gets a little bit better. You know, we're more protected as normal people from, you know, predatory crap and all this stuff, you know. But we get this other version where it's like wacky and, you know, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it's like it's like a movie. It's like more like Hollywood or something. Um, Yeah, I think that I I don't know. I I kind of I'm kind of with you. I, I, I really would like to see a more boring 
and more actual like you know them actually doing things that makes people's lives better version of of politics uh you know and even with trump it's even his shtick is getting a little stale right like even i mean it's even harder for people to get maybe outraged about his stuff. They're just like, oh, here we go again. He's doing something crazy again. You know, it's a little yeah, bit like he needed to quote Hitler now. In order exactly. to get the he has to up the ante. Yeah, exactly. It's, he just has to keep upping the ante. And it's like, I don't know that he really believes much of anything. He doesn't. But that doesn't no. mean that he won't follow through. Oh, yeah, you're when right. When he says yeah, right. like, the Nazi stuff and then people are like, yes, we love that Nazi stuff. It's not like he won't then be like, all right, Stephen Miller, come on right. down yeah. and do the Nazi exactly. stuff. That's right. Um, have you been following the uh, the Taylor Swift is a NATO Pfizer Bud Light? OK, so, so from what so from what I understand, she's yes. a spot. She's a spy. She's right. working with the Chinese Communist Party. For, and I do, I exclusively watch. Like, <laughs> we've got to get that straightened out. You know, that's part of it. And she's just dating this uh, football guy for some kind of cover. You know what I mean? It's it's pure spy stuff and she's got to be stopped. Yeah, I, I mean, might. the only really the only reason anyone wants to date a professional athlete is if you're a spy. <laughs> well, what's so my funny? Experience with women. So <laughs> the right has negatively polarized themselves into being against the thing that they just were saying, like this is what they took from you the 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 good looking cheerleader and the the hot football player and like they're kissing after the big game win and like this is the thing there was a famous anti-semitic post a while ago where some like online nazi groiper freak was like this is what they took from you and it's uh, it's literally the, the cheerleader like and the football person kissing and then now <laughs> that happens in reality and they think it's like a psyop from the deep state where you know china and pfizer are trying to poison you and put joe biden in office yeah i i'm enjoying it immensely uh, there was one i don't know if you saw this one where this lady i'd never heard of her before but i want to watch more of her allison on oan oh my god oh like, i love I was, oh, she's my new great. favorite she's I mean, my new favorite same yeah. same um so not only is taylor swift a psyop but and not only are all professionals sports a psyop but even like the youth rec league in your yeah. local hometown that your kids are playing soccer with even that too is a psyop brainwashing oh, yeah. the children of this nation into, you know, voting for Joe Biden. I want her to get totally psychedelic with this and just be reality itself is a psyop. This is all an illusion, you know, it, we, what we <laughs> see is, you know, just just go the full way with it. But yeah, I I love her. She, she is like weirdly intense, that lady. And like, that's the closest I've seen, maybe. I mean, OAN is really like this. I've only seen like bits and part and, and pieces of it, but it does seem like a newscast within like a, a satirical movie or something. Mm, totally. Like a Ver yeah. <laughs> like a Verhoeven movie or something. It's it's the closest I've ever seen to that. And she's she's like the perfect version of that. She it's yeah, it's bizarre. So Sagar was sick um, on Thursday this week. So Emily Jashinsky filled in for him. And I was talking to her about the whole Taylor Swift thing. And I was like, just mm -hmm. help me understand how this <laughs> became such a thing. And sh she was reminding me that early, I mean, Taylor Swift has been a superstar since she was like 15, right? She was like a baby when she became super famous. And she starts off in the more country music genre. 
She has this, you know, perfect like Aryan princess look about her and didn't go like the over-sexualized route. And so there were a bunch of basically like white nationalists who convinced themselves that she was actually one of them. Like a stealth like white a nationalist, stealth. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was at the time when the term alt-right was being thrown around. Like mm-hmm. you could say alt-right, you could say white nationalists, or supremacists, whatever. But they sort of like convinced themselves that she was one of them. And then there was some incident where maybe like a 4chan message board of these people convinced themselves that they had named her cat because they were like, she got a cat. And, the and name then they is were this, like, and there's a link they were to like some... coming up with names of what she should name her cat. And then she, <laughs> she like randomly ends up naming her cat. One of these names that had been floated on this board. So they so thought it was, was a wink like and a nod. Proof positive that Taylor Swift was in fact a secret neo-Nazi. And then there was apparently some on the uh, left or liberal side who were like, maybe she is. Maybe this really? is true. I didn't maybe know this, this I don't know. This is, yeah. So, and then it's after that that she comes out in 2018 as a, like, resistance liberal well, she in slammed, opposition to Marsha Blackburn. Yeah, she slammed Marsha Blackburn and she had some very mild, like, pro-choice comments. Right. Pro-choice, yeah. pro-woman, generally, like, pro-woman kind of comments. And then endorsed Joe Biden in 2020. But a part of, I think, the energy around her is this sense of like Betrayal. she should be one of us, right? We yeah. this is the person that we think should be in our camp. Like she's not a Hollywood liberal. She comes out of she's not from Nashville, but she comes out of the country music Nashville. So she's got this look that we think mm-hmm. is like the ideal look. She's dating the football player, but it's not like you know. But he's like a Pfizer Bud Light football well, player. Yeah, that's so the what thing the about hell? him that they <laughs> right? He was endorsed by. He has some ad stuff with Pfizer. And with Bud Light. Yeah, and he was like and promoting like, the vaccine, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And they're like, you know, those two companies are like, they get all the ire from the right yeah. over the vaccine. And But I actually think it's like you were saying, Kyle, that, you know, the image of them, that's a, that's this sort of like, you know, classic Americana, sort of like conservative, wholesome family values, whatever image. And part of the panic around it and the freak out over it is that sense of betrayal that like this should be coding for us, but, but that's it's not. Them doing identity politics, which is the thing that absolutely. they say the most well, that they're course, against, they but like, they, yeah, politics. they absolutely <laughs> embrace it. I mean, I was just talking about this on my show the other day that you had Tim Scott went on Sean Hannity's show. They played clips of like liberals making fun of Tim Scott when he was being a little sycophant to Trump at one of his rallies or whatever. And then Tim Scott gets on the screen and starts playing the race card. Start saying these white liberals are racist. Nobody said anything about race. They were just making fun of you for being corny as fuck. For being a bootlicker. But they immediately <laughs> ran to the race card because they felt like we can use it for our own purposes now. And that's exactly what it sounds like with Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you guys saw that video. I can't remember. It's it's like, a you know, at a Charlie Kirk festival or whatever, where the guy's like, <laughs> uh, they got they got Taylor Swift, but we got celebrities too. Kid Rock. <laughs> Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. <laughs> John Voight. John Voight. And I was thinking maybe there'll be like a John Voight version, version of Swifties, like Voighties or something, you know? We got all the Voighties, you know? They yeah, really got all the was, relevant. Uh, oh, they got all the got, relevant guys. Yeah, they got this you know? figured out. We they got, got we got Pat Sajak. <laughs> we got that other. <laughs> we got that other game show guy whose name nobody ever remembers. <laughs> Rob, um, Rob Schneider. Was, yeah, that was um, Jack Posobiec, and he yes. remember yes. he was like, maybe we need to get like Ted Nugent and Kid Rock together for a concert <laughs> tour in swing states. 
Back yeah, the and then, like it's a threat. Like we'll break out the Ted Nugent concert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just you watch Ooh. it. You just watch as Taylor Swift. Um, what if, I, there, I feel like this represents, and you've probably been tracking this closely, this shift on the right where you know they do the stance of they trash Hollywood, they hate the culture, they hate the you know like Hollywood liberal elites, et cetera, et cetera. But they also so desperately want these people to be on their team. That's Trump, yeah. And so you see that with like, you know, the, oh, well, we got John Voight. And you see that with the freak out over, oh my God, Taylor Swift might endorse Joe Biden. And then you also see it, I feel like, with the Daily Wire's foray into movies oh, and now rap songs, rap. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Where it's yes. like, you know, yes. used to, it used to be in like the 90s, the conservative panic was like, oh, this rap music is bad. And Shapiro will still do that. Remember when he read the lyrics to um to Wop, wop, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> so he'll still do that. But then they also like want to be part of the culture. They're like, we can make culturally relevant products too. Yeah, that's actually, I think is really interesting because the Daily Wire, you know, they have a real like media production machine and, you know, they've made these movies that are very high production value and they, you know, produced them or bought them or whatever. But it is interesting that they could do whatever they want and they live in an era where all that stuff is very accessible and cheaper, you know, to make literally whatever movie they want and like how like exactly they're mimicking Hollywood. Like mm -hmm. I watched some of those movies and they're they they hit the same Hollywood rhythm almost exactly like word for word. They just Did like you watch um, Lady Ballers. Yep, watched it, watched it, and it's it, it's it it's mimicking the Sandler, the you know the the kind of '90s Sandler era stuff. You know, it's it's just doing that stuff exactly instead of them doing whatever they want, going some totally new direction creatively and all that. They literally are just mimicking Hollywood and then tacking on a message. It's kind of fascinating. It's it's kind of crazy. So it's just derivative of work from like 20 years ago, basically. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think they do want to be part of Hollywood. I think they, you know, they see Hollywood as this giant machine that they maybe always wanted to be part of. And so instead of, so it's not like, you know, like an independent film, uh, you know, and there's a there's a lot of good kind of independent film now, I think, that goes in a totally weird, different direction that they couldn't before because you would have to go through a whole machine. But yeah, it's it's interesting. They they. They, it, it does seem like they want to be Hollywood. You know, they just want to do Hollywood, but with their political message. There's a lot of failed theater kids, I feel like, on that side of That's the aisle. That's literally what Ben Shapiro is. Right? That's literally what Ben Shapiro James is. James O'Keefe also. Uh, Dave Rubin wanted to be like a star in a non-political way. Didn't Crowder also? Crowder. Yeah, Crow Don't get me started on Crowder. I mean, it looks like there's... There's a lot of like repressed stuff going on there with that guy. I mean, <laughs> have yeah. you have you have you seen his you show recent? Like, is he still even doing a show? Like, yeah, I tried to look Rumble, on Rumble. Right? Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But Rumble I'll, lies I'll relentlessly about their yeah. view count. Yeah, the, I mean, it's their, it's bad. Their view count is just totally unbelievable. No. There's some like there's some weird channels on there, and it's like this this channel's getting more views than like you know, some giant channel on YouTube, that seems, that seems weird. Well, that doesn't they, seem right. What they didn't account for is that there's something in the laws of nature that make it so that when you get X number of views, there's X mm. number of comments, right? Like, oh, right. The ratio of uh, like 
views to comments is always within a similar window. Right. And so they didn't account for that. And so you have these videos that say like 150,000 view video. And then you go look at the comments and it's like 17 comments. And you're like, that's literally impossible because you could go look at 150,000 view video on YouTube and look at the range of how many comments would be. And it's way above that. Right. And now there's been a number of legitimate news outlets that have reported on Rumble's basically totally lying to their advertisers. And that's going to create, you know, a snowball effect where now advertisers will flee them. And, you know, it opens up all fraud questions and stuff like that. So I think they're genuinely in trouble. Could be. Could be. I'm just looking at his channel now. And he did post a video. His most his most recent video was just an hour ago. Inside the China plot to destroy America from within. Oh, God. <laughs> Triads, it's, drugs, and is, murder. Oh, and is, it's a documentary. So there you go. Again, with the uh, with the Hollywood Rogan, theme, you have to check that one out. Rogan's been leaning into this a little bit. You talked about, um, I forget the name of the guy that Rogan always cites. That's like, this, oh. have you seen what this guy said? Yuri yeah, something, it, right? Yeah, it's some dude who uh, fled the Soviet Union, and he he clearly like saw a video about it. But that yeah, that guy has a weird backstory, and he was very embraced by like sort of like you know um, these kind of right wing think tanks and stuff. But you know, Rogan loves that. It's funny, Joe Rogan's interesting because he'll find like one video and he'll form like a whole. Thing around it and, <laughs> and and he'll bring it up on you know it'll be like bobby lee or some totally like apolitical comedian <laughs> and he'll just hammer away at them with the, with this video that he saw you know but yeah he's been talking about that forever yeah he's been uh i, I saw you were talking about he had some moments recently or like mm-hmm. five of them where he is going deep on a video that's like, can you believe this? This is totally real. And then Jamie's like, I just looked it up. It's actually fake. It's actually like a skit. And he's like, God, God, God bless Jamie. Poor Jamie has to like correct constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's Jamie's always got to jump in. It's fun. It's funny. He's like always managing Joe, but I don't know. I guess it's not that surprising because you know, they're like, they're smoking weed on the show. You know, it's like, you know, there, there, it's like a. It, it does seem sometimes like just a kind of hangout that goes off the rails, and then Jamie has to jump in. You know, <laughs> shout, shout out to Jamie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shout out to Jamie. So, did you have a take on the uh, Ben Shapiro rap video? Are you a fan? Is it one of your new favorites? Is it going to be your on your what do they call the Spotify end of year thing? Spotify uh, uh, rap rap rap. Is that what it's called? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, I'll tell you oh, my it's... hot take in a minute. Go ahead. It's going to be up there. It's going to be up there. I've been I've been actually just streaming it over and over again <laughs> to get the number because it's not doing great. Uh, it's Well, it's not doing as good on Spotify. So I'm trying to personally bump it up. I've been just on repeat listening to it over and over again. And what's weird is that it gets better with with each listen. So it's mm. kind of like, you know, it's like a age as well. You know, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a David Bowie or a Beatles kind of thing when on, on the first listen, your brain can't really process it totally because of its its nuances. But now I'm, I'm kind of getting it, you know, so so I hope I, I hope people I, I, we, we got to spread the message first and foremost of that rap. You know, that's what I think. I, I don't know who the guy is that he did it with. Were you familiar with this guy? Dude. Were you familiar with him? No. Did he have any other songs that were a thing or? He he's just some Canadian guy who seems to have jumped on that. You know, he's a yeah. (laughs) Uh, Coming into our country, no. uh, He yeah, he's just one of those guys. He's he's like the uh, 
Who's the dude in Florida who does like a Forgiano Blow? Yeah, Forgiano he's like, Blow. Yeah, he's he's kind of like doing that. It's <laughs> it's like a lane, you know. It's like a uh, a lane with a built-in audience. It seems like. Yeah. So it says is twenty twenty one single fake woke marked his first appearance oh. on the Billboard Hot 100, known for his extensive tattoos and lyrics critical of current political trends. So in other words, Wikipedia. he is also like Forgiato Blow in that all he does is like conservative. Rap, yeah, right? yeah. In 2020, he released 20 singles, including White Trash, Sellout, Best Rapper Ever, Cancer, and Angels. In March 2020, he released the single Coronavirus. <laughs> oh my God. What is it about... What is it about these uh, these conservative rappers or even like we were talking about with the Daily Wire, the conservative like movie folks or whatever? They don't abide by like the number one rule of art, mm. which is show, don't tell. They're just like, tell, 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 tell. Yeah. Very, very preachy, in your face, obnoxious, nothing subtle about it. Why are they incapable of doing that? Because it is theoretically possible to have some sort of comedy that like leans right or something, but... It's still funny, but when they make it so preachy, it can't be funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't think these lyrics are subtle? They call me (laughs) offensive, controversial. There's only two genders, boys and girls. Bro, you got it, bro. They can't cancel my message because I'm the biggest independent rapper in the whole freaking world. I'm against cancel culture, bro. I'm going to take that bold stand. I'm against that. Go woke, go broke, no hope. It's pathetic. Pro-choice, pronouns, pro-love, you're progressives, but you ain't pro-gun. No one to protect. Make it stop, make it stop. Et cetera, et cetera. But for real, why is that Why can't they? Can't deny that flow. Why can't they? Because every single, like, there's a lot of art that comes from left-wing people. That is not political first. It just like might happen to have an underlying political. Like think of like Game of Thrones or something, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like the underlying message is certainly more in alignment with left wing values. Right. But people all like it because it's not like shoving it down your throat. Or even like Squid Game, which is sort of more overtly like the politics are a little more like. But even so, it's not preachy. But it's also really interesting, and it's also about human nature, and you know anyone, regardless of your politics, could enjoy it. But yeah. Uh, tell me, uh, you saw Lady Baller, so isn't that kind of the problem with that too? Is they'll just like, you know, randomly insert some preachy sermon about whatever conservative values? Yeah, Lady Ballers gets pretty close, though, because, you know, it's uh, it's an easy formula. You know, these movies, I mean, some of my favorite movies are like these kind of sports slob movies, like like I really like Slapshot, you know. Bad News Bears and all that stuff. And it's a very easy thing to make fun of. It's like these kind of losers who it's a ragtag team that gets together and they're kind of idiots and they're like hitting each other all the time and they get together for one last sports score or whatever, you know? So that that's such an easy formula. So they get close to just doing one of those movies. But then it's like, you just get kind of hit. You just get kind of like blindsided by the the nonstop like Daily Wire commentary, you know? So it's just like, I, I feel like even if you're watching it as a fan of the Daily Wire, you're just like, I'm just trying to watch a movie. You know what I mean? But um, it's weird. I've been uh, listening to um, Quentin Tarantino's new book uh, where he just talks about uh, movies, mostly movies from the 70s. And there's there's actually one genre where it was kind of where, where this discussion was happening, which is like the Dirty Harry era movies where it, it did like, you know, film writers at the time were like, this is a fascist movie for Dirty <laughs> Harry. 
<laughs> and uh, and and there was a big debate about that. Is this is this a fascist movie? Da 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 da. And Quentin Tarantino makes the point where he's like, um, he's like the politics of it. You could easily interpret as very right wing and and fascisty, you know. But the like audiences found the movies to be fun, you know, like the just the way that they're pro produced, the way they were directed, the act, the Clint Eastwood acting. So that that's one era of, or one maybe you could call it right wing genre of movies. Death Wish is like that too, where it did maybe have a, a right wing political side, but the movie still actually worked. But well, but just it wasn't that. I'll it, give another example. I mean, the new top like all the Top Gun movies, all the it, like exactly, military, like all those yep. you know that have to be like run through the Pentagon, and the Pentagon's like yes. We want exactly. this military propaganda. I mean, those are all really but right then wing. There's also movies that are explicitly left wing, but they get a cult following of people who actively misinterpret it. Mm. Like like uh, Wall Street, where everybody, uh, Gordon Gecko, bro, green yes. is good. And it's like, yes. that wasn't that was, the point of the shit. That was the opposite or point, yeah. the movie Training Day, where Alonzo plays the dirty cop. And some people are like, Alonzo, yes. he's the best, bro. I would have done what he did. And it's like, that's not the, the message. Of the the yeah. message of the movie is well, that's bad. I guess that's why they want to make it so heavy handed. You know, yeah, so it's that funny. There's no, yeah. there's no ability for the audience to misinterpret the hardcore right wing propaganda that they're being. But served. like if the left like it's, it looks goofy to me when the right does it, but it would also be goofy if the left does it, too. Yeah, to oh, me. yeah. But like, I don't see the left do that. I, I never see that. I mean, Barbie's kind of close. Is it? Yeah, to just Barbie's like... Barbie's close. Yeah, Barbie, Barbie is pretty close. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Um, there was another one that I was just thinking of. I really... Me, I, but Barbie is definitely like, in terms of like liberal feminist values, you're being... There's even random, you know, speeches from the Barbies in the middle of... They have to say some like, you know feminist speech thing that snaps them out of their Ken patriarchal trance that they've been put into. So it it is, I would say that it fits very much in that genre. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe there's just a thing. I, I think the idea of show don't tell is is exactly right. Like with, with movies, you just don't, there's just something about an overt political message that just like kicks you right out of the movie. Um, even there's there's a movie that's really well made called Triangle of Sadness, which has like I, even some very clever left wing political messages, and it's still kind of just it pushes you out of just like getting immersed into the story. At least it did for me because it's so overt. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like if you're gonna do a movie that has a political message, it, it does kind of have to be submerged or it has to be kind of abstracted, I think. I don't know. And I thought, you know, Barbie was okay, you know, like uh, but I I feel like maybe even Barbie could have could have done that a little bit, I don't know, it, subtler or something. Yeah. I wasn't a big Barbie fan. Personally. I'm thinking of the movie John Q. Remember that movie John Q? Denzel really. Washington movie where he doesn't. Oh, right. He has health care, but his health care gets like revoked. He doesn't know it. His kid gets sick, needs to get all this treatment. And then he like ends up storming the hospital with a gun. And and like that was sort of explicitly political, but it wasn't talked about in explicitly political terms within the movie. So it feels like they got away with it. You know what I mean? Like the message is clearly everybody has a right to have health care, but it's put in this case of like a beautiful detailed story where you're more immersed in the story than you are in the broader political message. Mm -hmm. And like you take away the political message on your own, but they're just showing you like what is in the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think the other element 
is if you are making a very overtly political film, like a Barbie or like a Lady Ballers or whatever, and you're hitting people over the head with it, and also the message and the takeaway is like something we've all heard 3,000 times before, there's, mm-hmm. there, you're not digging a level deeper. There's no new analysis. There's nothing that's like re- revelatory or eye-opening about it. It's just like, you know, the same old like feminist thing that we've heard a million times, the same old like, you know, there's only two genders thing that we've heard a million times. If you aren't pushing us beyond that, then that also, you know, is perhaps it would be more interesting if you had the super overt political message, but then it leads you somewhere surprising or there's some sort of eye-opening conclusion or awakening or whatever that they arrive at. But if it's just the same old like standard political drivel drivel that you could get from Dennis Prager or from MSNBC (laughs) any day of the week, then what are we really doing here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, maybe that's why John Q is such a good example because it's like rather than just like tacking on the message, you just like, okay, what's the actual like on the ground reality? And then you kind of represent that fictionally, I think is that that could be the smart way to go. Oliver Stone is kind of good at that too, like the Wall Street example. Right, Um, yeah. You know, it's just like, let's try to do an actual like, let's look at the the kind of reality, what Wall Street is really, really like and the kind of, uh, you know, insider trading stuff and the scamminess and let's get really good, characters and all that stuff. And yeah, I think Wall Street pulled it off too, you know, but uh, yeah, maybe that's what you have to do. You have to kind of either really get into the reality of it or try to figure out how to not make the message so obvious, like you were saying, Crystal. Yeah. And I just don't see that among the Daily Wire types. It's all just shoving it down your throat. Um, Yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, let me ask you about the general election. I've I'm really interested in the fact that there's some people on the right, like Ann Coulter, for example, who is 100 percent convinced Trump can never win a general election now. Uh, And then you (laughs) also have people on the left, like Cenk Uger, for example, who is 100 percent convinced Biden could never win a general election now. And when I analyze the situation, I see a number of very concerning factors for both Biden and Trump, respectively. Um, Biden has collapsed with Arab Americans and Muslim Americans. He had 60% support in Michigan among that community, and it dropped all the way to 17% as a direct result of the war in Gaza. Um, we have, there was a poll that came out that had him four points underwater with Latinos. He dropped from like 85% support in the black community to 63% support. Um, there was a poll that had young people, but Trump was beating Biden with young people by four points. But then you look at Trump, there's also some equally concerning factors. I think he's still in massive trouble with like suburban women in particular. In New Hampshire, there were some red flags with the independent in the independence. They almost all went to Nikki Haley massively. It was only like the hardcore Republican base that really came out in support of Trump. They're losing the Swifties. They're losing the Swifties. That's (laughs) obvious too. And there's a lot of them. So when I look at that, I mean, I ultimately I land on, I don't know what the hell's going to happen, but if I had to guess, I do lean a little more against Biden because all there's like a trend of polls in swing states where Trump's winning like five of the six swing states and winning them relatively comfortably. Do you have a sense of uh, where the race is at right now and what do you think is likely to happen? I think we're in the same spot. I looked at those same polls too. I think I maybe even looked at them after I watched a video uh, that you made. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in the same spot. It's uh, It seems like a little bit... Uh, 
I guess there's a little bit of a, a toss-up side to it, but then you look at those polls and you're like, okay, looks like Trump could win again. Um, who knows, I guess. But yeah, it seems like there's at least a chance that Trump could win again. I mean, I don't know how the, you know, uh, these court cases are going to affect anything. I mean, yeah, we're in the we're in the same boat. It seems like who knows. But then you look at the polls, I guess that's the best we can do, right? Yeah, the 91 criminal charges is the biggest thing to me that, like, this could play a massive factor in the race. Because do you have the thing in Colorado and what is it, Maine also, where they kicked him off the ballot. And now that's probably going to go to the Supreme Court and Mm -hmm. they're going to figure out what are we going to do with this. But the 91 criminal charges, because it seems very possible to me that Trump becomes a nominee. We get to the general election before voting day. We have some guilty, you know, decisions on Mm -hmm. some of the 91 criminal charges. Mm -hmm. And that comes with time behind bars. And it's like, what do you do? Do you take the guy who's leading in the polls and the favorite to be the next president and say, sorry, you're guilty of these crimes. You got to go behind bars. Like, it just seems to me like there's going to be some sort of another massive giant constitutional crisis before we get the next president or the same president back in office. You know what I mean? It seems like that's unavoidable at this point. I'm also very skeptical, though, of these polls. There was one that just came out where it was like 57%, I think was the number of voters were like, oh, I wouldn't vote for Trump if he was convicted of a federal crime. But people are very bad at predicting how they're going to react to different news events. But if he's in jail, though, doesn't that make it like, how are you going to vote for him? And that's a question of timing, too, because I don't know if because you got to think, you got to get a verdict, then you got to go through the appeals process. Then if that's, he's still found guilty, then you got to go through a sentencing process, which is a whole separate process. So I don't know if that's going to all, if any of that is going to come to a head before November. So you think it's more likely that it's after the general election or even after inauguration? That we get a conclusion? Is that what you think? I I don't know, but I think that's very possible. I like, like how, none of these things seem to be moving too quickly. But I like how we're having this conversation and nobody seems to know and nobody <laughs> seems to be reporting on or care. But like, I don't yeah, think maybe I'll be in prison well, before the, the general election inauguration. <laughs> maybe not. Way you can know. Like that's the thing. There's really is, no way you can know. I hate no. this. I hate this so much. The idea, like, isn't it in the constitution that you're supposed to get like a speedy, speedy trial? trial? And then now we have this thing like maybe in four and a half years we'll figure out what we're gonna do with you. Like, what are we doing here? But it's like with the border, how it's like you got all these issues at the border, and it's like, we know you need more immigration judges. Send more immigration judges. And it's like, no, let's just keep these people in limbo for like a year and a half while they figure out what the hell's going on and they're eating bread with cheese every day. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. It seems like nothing works anymore. Nothing functions anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, been paying any attention to the, what is it, like the Fannie Willis thing where she's Mm -hmm. got like sort of a controversy now, (laughs) which... Yeah, that almost seems like a like a movie twist or something. You know what I mean? It's like probably I saw the headlines. Like, Do you know the specifics? Because I, my my gut reaction to it was like, oh, they're just doing a witch hunt no. back at her because they don't like to, that she's going I mean, after that Trump. That is true, but I also think she it appears was having an affair with this dude that she picked to be the prosecutor, and when he was picked, the reason this got looked into is because people were like. Why'd you pick this dude? He's just some like random right. suburban like divorced lawyer who has no experience at this level. And then lo and behold, oh, he's getting a divorce from his wife. Oh, Fannie Willis is being called to like, you know, be involved in this divorce proceeding. So, it, oh, they were going on vacations together. 
it looks like they were having an affair. It's, you know, not 100% confirmed, but it looks like he was able to settle the divorce so that they didn't have to testify about this specifically. So I don't know if it's going to derail the case or whatever, but I do think there was some there there in terms of the allegations, which is like, how can you, if if you know how sensitive this is going to be and how open to criticism from all, like, how stupid can you be um, by opening yourself up to this type of situation? Does that really derail it, though? Or is it just like he's maybe not the best guy to be the prosecutor? I mean, it's a conflict of interest. I don't friggin' know. But the legal experts were like, oh, it probably won't kill the case. But Trump is fighting more on political grounds than he is on, like, legal grounds. So that just seems so minor to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anything that should really affect the case or anything, but it's just like, uh, I don't know, it's, I guess, sort of a funny twist. It's, I don't know, it seems like maybe it should be like, okay, we're going to find another guy or something, and that should be, yeah, nobody nobody should ever care about it again, but it's, yeah, it's funny how it it grabbed a bunch of headlines, I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely a conflict of interest. Like, it's definitely a conflict of interest. So should should it completely derail the case? No. But Mm -hmm. again, you're doing him unbelievable favors by letting him say like, oh, you got your, you know, boyfriend to charge me and you paid. He also got paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. So um, on the bat in the battle of political opinion, it's a major win for Trump. But, you know, this this sort of reminds me of like the um, the thing that happened with Claudia Gay, the head of Harvard, Mm -hmm. how they started going after her because of the way she answered the question on mm-hmm. uh, the pro-Palestine protesters. And they asked her if they were calling for genocide of Jews, would this be against school policy? And she basically was like, yeah, if there's a direct threat of violence, it would. And they thought, you know, that's not good enough. And then they dug to find like some plagiarism thing. And then they kicked her out because of the plagiarism thing. But we all know the genesis of it was they didn't like the answer she gave. Sure. On the pro-Palestine. Yeah. It's, it seems like that to me. It's like I, I we found there's... this really obscure reason to get rid of you. Like you had an affair and you picked this guy. And like, so now we're going to open up the gates of hell. Yeah. As if this is a I bigger mean, crime than Trump's 91 criminal charges. Yeah, there, there's a lot more there there than there was with the like, you know, decades old or whatever plagiarism charges with Claudine Gay. That she picked this, you know, guy out of obscurity who wasn't really qualified. So pick a new this, guy. So pick a new guy. Job. Like that's, yeah, that but doesn't seem saying, that difficult. Like, it was not a wise choice on her part. There is definitely there there. <laughs> I know, it's but definitely these guys, a conflict of interest. But these people if the are allegations masters. are correct, and I mean, there's no doubt about it. they're motivated to like tear her apart. But she should know that going in. That's why it should I know, be but un- unimpeachable what she's doing. Also, they're masters at turning the table. They do it all the time. It, it reminds me of when Trump was caught on the grab by the pussy. I don't even wait comment with uh, Access Hollywood or whatever it was. And then at the very next debate, he showed up and he brought in the audience like eight of Bill Clinton's accusers. And was like, what I did was just talk. It was just locker room talk. These women were actually assaulted and Bill Clinton's to blame. And he was able to take something that was a massive political loser for him and he just flipped it. He just flipped the script. But again, this is for C. Of course they're going to do that. Like, of course they're going to do that. I know, but they're really fucking good at it. They're really good at it. So don't just like hand them a hammer that they can use against you, which is effectively what you did. No, I agree. But now that we're in this position, how do we proceed? Right. And my reaction to that is just pick somebody new and move on. Yeah, I agree with that. But they're going to try to look at it and be like, nope, you got to drop all the charges That's now definitely but i mean i don't think that'll work <laughs> out but yeah it's it's was not a helpful development let's just say well jack smith they got nothing on jack smith right jack smith is still jack smith in out there i guess so that is one <laughs> stoic man he is one stoic looking man and i'm intimidated slightly when i look at him i'm afraid he's going to charge me with something do i have some unpaid tickets maybe maybe i do Stay away, Jack. He's, co- he's coming after you. He's coming after you. Let me give him the dirt on you guys. I'll flip immediately. 
<laughs> um, well, thank you so much. It's always so great to see you. And tell people where to subscribe to your channel. Oh, yeah. It's RM Brown on YouTube. Uh, yeah, check it out. And I, I, yeah, I always love watching you guys, you know, two of my favorite uh, people on, on the internet. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Highly recommended his channel. Really, really funny. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Yeah, does a great job uh, uh, tearing apart some of the more ridiculous aspects of the right. So that is true. Look forward to your takes. Yep. Thank Aww. you, brother. Th thank you, guys. See you later. All right. See later. You soon. All right. So that's RM Brown. Always fun and nice talking to him. He's one of the funniest guys, man. He's one of the funniest guys. I don't know if he, uh, I never, I don't know if I ever asked him this, but. Does he do like stand-up comedy, like proper stand-up comedy? Because he mm. should, because he's that he's that funny, you know. Yeah, he's got an eye for it. When he does his show, he's able to also use like sound effects and editing and zoom ins and zoom outs and funny noises and stuff like to also, uh, you know, make it hilarious. But he also is that kind of guy where when he starts talking, it's just the way he talks makes you like smile and laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something I don't know what it is. Some people have a tone that they hit or a way they talk. Where you're just like, timing. Ha, 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 you're so funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But he does do a fantastic job, like pulling the most absurd clips from the, the online right in particular and like just exposing their absurdity. Yeah, it's refreshing because a lot of those people who he's making fun of take themselves way too serious and so they've true. generated massive, massive audiences. And it's just like you look at it like, how the fuck did this person? become big and get such a following and people actually listen to what they say. Yeah. And then he's there to just tear him down wrong? with comedy. It's almost very John Stewart-esque in a way. Yeah. You know, like if John Stewart wasn't coming back for his show or if I had to pick somebody to do a daily show type thing, I'd probably pick him. He would do a great job. He would it. do a great job. He's re He would. He's very incisive, pulls no punches. Um, highly, highly recommended. RM Brown, check out his channel. Amazing. Yep. All right, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week. Everybody do us a big favor. Sign up on Substack. Uh, five bucks a month gets you the video of every interview and it gets it to you a day early. Thank you to everybody who already has signed up and helps us out. We will talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.